handoff to Jonathan oh. Taylor. Hughes hole. He's at the 30. He's going to go. 10, 5, touchdown. Jonathan Taylor made a man miss the line of scrimmage and then runs it into Pater. And a one-handed INT. Are you kidding me? Kenny Moore. What a play by Naheem Hines. Horseshoe is back, baby. The horseshoe is back. What is going on, Colts Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Bring the Juice Colts podcast. Well, the 2021 NFL draft has come and gone for the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts had seven picks in this draft. And in this video, we are going to do our takeaways and overview of this draft for the Indianapolis Colts. Andrew Thompson here with me. Andrew, I know this was a very interesting draft in a lot of ways. Uh, some picks that really surprised people, some picks that got people really upset uh, and questioning Chris Ballard and everything like that. So we're going to kind of look at some of these picks, look at some of the positions that were addressed because there were a few positions that were addressed. There were a few that weren't addressed in this draft, kind of talk about everything there. And so I thought we could just start here by the first pick in the first round, the Indianapolis Colts select at pick number 21, edge rusher Quiddy Pay out of Michigan. Andrew, I mean, I think that this was – Clearly the biggest need on defense, maybe the biggest need overall for the team going into this year. Uh, obviously, there was guys like Christian Darisaw still on the board, the offensive tackle from Virginia Tech, but the Colts elected to go Quiddy Pay. Chris Ballard even said, we felt like Quiddy was the by far, he even made sure to include the by far, the best player on the board there at 21. What were your overall thoughts on that, on on? the selection and then also the decision to pick Quiddy pay over a guy like Darisol or maybe some other prospects that were still on the board at that point. Well, I think I mentioned this before, Cody, when pay was picked, I thought it was a home run and I still think it is. I think that the Colts should absolutely have zero regret about taking him at 21 over Darisol. Listen, let's go back to the Buffalo game. This is something that I think you had mentioned and so many others have mentioned. What was the biggest problem with the Colts in that playoff game? It wasn't the left tackle because nope. Philip Rivers wasn't touched. And the Colts rushed for like over 100 yards, I think, in the fourth quarter alone during that miniature comeback, if you will. The problem was the pass rush, particularly on the edge. So what do the Colts do? They address their arguably their biggest weakness in edge rush. They go out and they get Quiddy Pay, and they go out and they get Dio, uh, a guy that we'll talk about here in just a few seconds. But, but mm -hmm. Pay is, in my opinion, or was, the best pass rusher in this class. And many mock drafts had him going anywhere from maybe 12, 15 to maybe early 20s. So, I mean, I was kind of shocked that, that he got to 21 and he didn't go any earlier. I thought for sure when Minnesota was sitting there before they traded with the Jets at 14 that they were going to take him. And, you know, he ends up following, obviously. Uh, and I think the Colts should have zero regrets. I think Pay is going to come in and make an immediate impact without question. Yeah, the thing I like about Pay is he's not just a pass rusher himself, right? You think of guys like Aziz Ajilari or some of those other guys that are maybe more speed rushers or even some of the guys on the Colts' current roster. You wouldn't say a guy like Kamoko Ture, maybe even Ben Banigou, is a three-down guy right now. But the thing with Quiddy Pay is the fact that he really much is. Like, he's a really good at stopping the run. Kind of looking at some of his tape at Michigan, I mean, he was fantastic at setting the edge. Uh, and he got, and he's very versatile as well, which I think is interesting. You know, Michigan, I think 
honestly, people look at the stats and some people are like, well, why did the Colts feel like they need to pick, pick him here? The stats aren't the greatest. Like I think 11 sacks in his total career. But I think the fact due to the scheme a little bit with how Michigan used him or didn't use him on the edge kind of reflects there. But overall, he's just an overall solid prospect, I feel like. And I feel like he's the safest guy out of any of these pass rushers. I know a lot of people, including Derek, love Jalen Phillips, who went a couple picks before. But I think overall, Quiddy Pay, you don't really worry about that the injury concern at all, really, at all with him. I think he's a durable player, and he has a chance, honestly, Andrew, in my mind, to be a three-down player from day one, which I think gives him a great chance to be a starter from day one and really get his feet wet right away in this Colts defensive end room. So overall, I loved Quiddy Pay pick. I, I love that pick. I thought it was fantastic for what the Colts wanted to do. We know how much the Colts love to stop the run. And Quiddy Pay, man, is a very built individual. I mean, my goodness, just looking at Quiddy Pay, she's like, I, you know, I saw different people saying, even the Colts tweeted, I'm glad this guy's not going after a quarterback. Like, you know, to pair him alongside with the force Buckner and Grover Stewart and whoever the other edge rusher is at that point, man, I mean, this is such a major upgrade. I mean, Jim Mersey even said our team is better because of that pick right away. Um, and then also, obviously, the Colts. This one, I think, was a little bit of more of a surprise, Andrew. The Colts selected Dio Adangbo, defensive end from Vanderbilt. Now, this one was the shocker. This is where Colts fans started going, what? Why in the world? I mean, if you saw our initial reaction, Andrew, we were surprised, too. We were like, what in the world? Why did we select another defensive end, right? Another defensive lineman here in round two. We were shocked. But Ballard has said he was by far the best player on our board. Again, BPA here by Chris Ballard. And the thing I like about Dio is the fact that, first off, his arms are insane. I think he's 99th percentile in arm length. One of the longest guys, has some of the longest arms of any prospect in a long, long time. And he's just an athletic freak, man. And he can play inside, he can play outside, and he's a very disruptive player. I think personally for me, though, Andrew, I don't know how much I love this pick, not because of the talent, but because of where they picked him and the injury history, I guess. The, the Achilles injury kind of scares me a little bit. But maybe you have a little bit of a different perspective here. Like I said, I'm not doubting the talent. I'm just like the injury. He's probably not going to play this season. And also there were some other needs maybe there. Maybe you could have traded back or whatever. But I respect the discipline that Chris Ballard and company have going BPA here again. What were your thoughts on the Dio pick? Well, I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I don't know how much I love the pick either. Um, and, and for the same reasons. The talent's clearly there. I mean, you mentioned it. He has, some of the, he has one of the largest wingspans of any defensive end coming out in the last – at least 10 plus years, um, the traits are off the charts. The characteristics are off the charts. I mean, everything, and Chris Ballard even said, you know, uh, Dio stands for everything we want to do or we want to be as an organization. We know, as we've said on here many of times, how much Chris Ballard and Frank Reich and Jim Mercer value character guys uh, really over anything. I mean, traits and, and everything could be there, but if you don't fit the locker room in terms of your character, uh, they're not going to take you. It's that simple. Um, and while Deo may not help the team in the immediate future, uh, I think in the long run this has a chance to be a very solid pick. Chris Ballard even said you, we had a fir first-round grade on him. And I believe it was Stephen Holder of The Athletic um, who tweeted out, said he spoke to a couple different people who said that had the Colts not taken him, there were a couple of other teams that were going to either trade up for him or, or take him when they ended up picking. 
so the Colts weren't the only team that, that were high on high on Deo. So they had to have seen something. I agree. There were some tackles um, that I wished the Colts would have traded up for. Tevin Jenkins, Dylan Radins, Walker Little, just to name a few, because of the need at left tackle. Um, that was something that I had advocated for Friday when day two and day three was happening. That was something that I hoped the Colts would do uh, on that day was to was to trade up for a left tackle. And they stuck where they were at, and they took a guy who has a high, high ceiling or has what they consider to be tremendous upside, but he may not help right away, and that's okay. Yeah, I kind of look at it like this with the Dio pick. I mean, first off, Chris Ballard's been doing this for how many years now? Made some picks, even last year, Jonathan Taylor. Like, So we shouldn't be surprised as fans anymore that Ballard is not afraid to take the best player available, even if we don't think it's necessarily the need they should be addressing. I mean, Ballard even said there were some tackles that went obviously before the Colts, which I think is a big deal. But he even said then, Dio was even higher, higher, more higher rated than those guys which I think is a very interesting statement by Ballard himself there. But I think I kind of look at it as like, maybe he'll play this season, maybe not. Maybe it's a redshirt season for him. But regardless, it's not like the Colts, the cupboards bare there at defensive end, right? The Colts still have some guys at defensive end and defensive tackle that you like. And so I'm kind of like, I wonder if the plan with Dio is to let him just rest up, recover, take as much time as he needs, not banking on him making really any impact this first season, but letting some of those younger guys, Kamoko Ture, Ben Banigou, Taekwon Lewis, kind of play it out a little bit. And then whether that is in the middle of the season or maybe that's at the season's end, if one of those guys still hasn't shown anything, maybe that's when you cut ties with one of those former second-round picks or maybe one of those guys like Isaac Rochelle or maybe you know even like Al-Qadi Muhammad, and you, move, you go for a guy like Dio there. Um, that's kind of maybe my thoughts on what the plan is with him because he is a physical freak, man. I mean, you can, I'm just kind of imagining kind of when he is healthy, that pass rush package you could have there with Quiddy Pay, Kamoko Ture, DeForest Buckner, and Dio. I mean, that is an incredible, at least from a size standpoint and a potential standpoint, that's really incredible to think about. That's, that's what you want right there. So overall, I get it. I was a little bit like confused and frustrated at that pick at first, but I think the more Ballard, you know, and I've, I've kind of learned to trust Ballard when he falls in love with a guy. I mean, I've kind of learned to trust him and let's be frank, Andrew, Chris Ballard, the, the defensive ends that he has drafted up to this point, they've kind of stunk <laughs> up to this. I mean, honestly, I mean, they've shown potential, but they haven't lived up anything. None of these guys have yet. And people tell me all the time that I, I'm too easy on Ballard or pro Ballard all the time. And and I just say I'm critical when I need to be. And I'm and I think that's a fair take, honestly, that defensive end has not been the best position Chris Ballard has drafted. I think we can both objectively say that, right? And so to take another defensive end, I'm kind of like, I'm all for it because you need to figure it out. I don't care what it takes, like you need to figure it out. I feel like you can figure out left tackle a little bit more in free agency or roll with a guy like Sam Tevy, who I know a lot of people don't love, but I don't feel like Sam Tevy is as bad as everybody thinks he is. Right. I mean, I feel like Sam Tevy is a solid player. I still th- feel like the Colts maybe should look to upgrade. I know Eric Fisher is a big name that has been floating around Colts nation, but overall I'm just like pass rush is just such a need. I'm honestly kind of okay with this pick. The more that I think about it and the more I hear Ballard just gushing about him, what are your thoughts on on Dio a little bit more? Do you have any other thoughts based off of what I said about it? No, I, th- I think you said it perfectly. I think he's a guy that 
Ballard fell in love with and all of the other scouts fell in love with. I, I mean, that's high praise. Think about it. A, a second-round pick, to say that they had a first-round grade on him and that other teams, according to different reports, had significant interest in him, that, that tells you something, right? I mean, it has to. Yeah. I mean, and, and as you said, the defensive ends that Chris Ballard has drafted thus far, they've been okay. They, they've shown, as you mentioned, some flashes, but they haven't had that breakout 10, 12 and a half sack season like he's probably expected them to. Taekwon Lewis has been hit or miss. Kamoka Ture has had some flashes. He's been hit or miss. Uh, ben Banigou has done next to nothing thus far. I mean, mm-hmm. and if how do you win football games, Cody? Let's break that down. I mean, yes, in today's NFL, it's, it's obviously trending more towards Pat being more pass heavy. Uh, we understand that. So you have to have things in that in that area however ask the Tampa Bay Buccaneers how they won the Super Bowl ask the New York Giants when they took down the New England Patriots in 2007 yep. and 2011 how did they win the Super Bowl four-man rush ask the Philadelphia Eagles not too long ago they won their first Super Bowl in franchise history against the Patriots how did they do that pass rush mm-hmm. it, it's that simple in order to beat guys like Patrick Mahomes like Tom Brady's uh, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, all these quarterbacks that are so dynamic, you have to be able to get home. And yes, the, it's it's a very cliche saying to a degree, but the better your pass rush is, the better your secondary is and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Your corners, I mean, obviously don't have to come very long if you're getting there within two to three seconds. Yeah. So I trust, similar to you, what Ballard is doing. He has been one of, if not the best general managers since taking over for the Colts. I mean, think about it. Let's like, just real quick, let's look back to where the Colts roster was four years ago. How old they were, how slow they were. Just they, they were just out of date to a degree. I mean, they were there were some fairly solid players on defense, but that's all they were. They weren't home run players. Now you've got a defense that is young and aggressive and, and hungry and ready to come in and, and play at, a, at, a, at an elite level. They were really, really, really good last year. Now with the upgraded pass rush. And I'm not just saying this. I genuinely mean this from an objective standpoint. I think the Colts have a chance to be one of the elite pass rushers in the NFL this season. If Kamoka Ture or Taekwon Lewis step into that other defensive end role, you have Quipe, you have Grover Street, you have DeForest Buckner, you have a very, very solid defensive line group. And if they all can come together and, and gel really well uh, and learn from each other, I think that this has a chance to be one of the better pass rushers in the NFL without question especially with the scheme that you run, right? Your scheme is predicated on getting pressure at the quarterback. If you can't get home, this scheme is going to fall apart. I mean, we honestly, we've seen that. I mean, we saw that down the line this last season, as good as the Colts defense was at the beginning of the season, when they couldn't get pass rush near the end of the year, they got shredded. Let's be completely honest. They did even that week one game Gardner Minshew shredded them because they could not get pressure on the quarterback. And you're completely right. And going back to the Dio pick really fast before we move on. Now, we've been talking about this for a while, but I think it's needed to be talked about because there's been a lot of controversy around it. I love it when Ballard does this. When he gets a player that's injured, right, and he that, that he has a first-round grade on. I mean, honestly, you look back to Julian Blackman last year. I love when he gets the talented guys that the only concern is just a potential major injury that they're going to have to take some extra time to get back from because that gives them more talent. It gives them basically – a first-round talent in later rounds, which I think is absolutely genius by Ballard and company. But, yeah, I honestly, like, I don't know. I, I'm still, like, I get the frustration, but I also get where Ballard is coming from, and I respect it. So I, I think we can just leave it there. 
All right, let's move on now to the fourth round. If you remember, the Colts don't have a third-round pick because of the Carson Wentz trade. In the fourth round, the Colts address tight end. They select SMU tight end Kylan Granson. Now, Granson, a little bit shorter, six foot one, about 240 pounds, but he's essentially a wide receiver tight end, right? Like this, That's what a lot of people said. He's basically a wide receiver at the tight end position. Uh, he's very, very, very good. Um, in the receiving game. He was really good with SMU. And uh, I just think he provides tremendous upside for what the Colts want to do overall at the tight end position. I think he complements Mo Ali Cox and Jack Doyle, who are solid players. Um, a lot, I would say pretty split in terms of run blocking and, uh, and pass catching. I would say he has obviously now the highest ceiling as a pass catcher. What were your thoughts on the Colts getting their tight end in the fourth round in Kylan Granson? Well, to be completely honest with you, uh, I didn't know much about him until they started breaking down yeah. the the production that he had while at SMU. And the comparison he drew was Trey Burton, a tight end the Colts had on their roster last year, who, although didn't have the greatest season in terms of production, had some moments, right? The game against Green Bay, uh, the game against uh, Tennessee, he had uh, a couple of nice catches and a couple touchdowns. I mean, he played fairly well, and now they get a guy with a similar skill set and a similar body type. Uh, more of a pass-catching tight end. I don't think he's going to come in and, and be a, an elite blocker for you. But nonetheless, I think he's going to come in and give the Colts more of a vertical threat at tight end. And that's something they've been searching for since, and I know Colts fans may hate me for saying this, but since Eric Ebron left, they haven't really had that vertical threat at tight end. I mean, Jack Dole's been okay, more of a run blocking tight end and and he's decent in pass catching but he's not going to stretch the field vertically and Mo, Mo Alley Cox has shown some flashes but hasn't been productive enough so to me Kylan Granton in the fourth round uh, given the production the things that I've seen and heard seems like a really really strong pick and I think if there's any coach in the NFL that knows how to utilize tight ends it's Frank Reich yeah, I mean, we even had on uh, or we joined a Zoom call yesterday with the Colts with Kevin Rogers, director of player personnel. And I asked him the question about Kylan Grants and I said, what does he provide? How does he complement these other tight ends? And he said, honestly, I feel like it was the perfect situation. He's the perfect fit for what we want to do. And you're right. He talked about the whole idea of vertically stretching the defense. He feels like he adds a new element to that tight end room. So you know, I, I personally, I, I agreed when we collected him, I was like, okay, who is this guy? I hadn't really heard about him. I know like Brevin Jordan was on the board and Derek and I were like, oh, are the Colts going to go get him? But obviously they felt like Kylan Granson was a better fit for their offense. And I think what, from what the Colts said, he was kind of the last tight end that they really like really regarded in a high way. So I, I think that that speaks volumes to, to the kind of player they feel like Kylan Granson is right away. Um, so I like that selection. In round five, the Indianapolis Colts addressed secondary selected Sean Davis. So now that's the second Sean Davis at the safety position out of Florida. They select him here in round five. What are your thoughts on the Colts addressing this secondary with Sean Davis? Yeah, I, I thought it was a decent pick in terms of value. Another guy that I don't really know a ton about until I take some time to look at his film at Florida and uh, talk to a couple different people and whatnot. I will say my coworker, Stampede Blue, Zach Hicks, does a fantastic job of breaking down all of those picks on his Twitter. Um, he broke down the Sean Davis pick when it first happened. Uh, and from what I can remember correctly, so that he was pretty decent in coverage, but had some issues with tackling. There are some videos on his Twitter. Be sure to go check those out for more uh, in-depth analysis on that pick. But in terms of what I saw, I, I thought he'd be a solid rotational player. 
Uh, do I think he's going to come in and start over Julian Blackman or Kari Willis? Probably not. But I think he could potentially develop into a very strong backup. It's a solid pick. Mm. Yeah, I think overall he's a good special teams guy here for year one. I think that's a good spot for him to start right away and just make an impact on special teams because he did, obviously, at Florida as well. All right, so moving on now, round six, the Indianapolis Colts actually made a trade. And with that trade that picked 218, they drafted – talk about another controversial one in the sixth round, no, no less. Sam Ellinger, quarterback from Texas. Now, people were – flipping out about this, Andrew. I mean, when I say flipping out, I think I'm putting it lightly. Colts Twitter exploded at this happening, at this pick. Some people like the pick. Some people absolutely hated this pick. Where do you stand on Sam Ellinger and also the fact that the Colts drafted him? What does that say about the backup quarterback competition? Well, I think first off, it says that the quarterback, the backup quarterback competition rather is fairly open. I mean, we haven't really seen much of Jacob Eason because there wasn't a preseason last year. So we don't really know what he provides. Although we like, you know, the, the little bit that we did see at some of those practices last year. But the Colts have carried three quarterbacks on their roster for the last two or three seasons. The Cooper sets in Miami. And the only other quarterback other than Carson Wentz is, is Jacob Eason. Pardon me. Now you bring in Sam Ellinger and you let Eason and Ellinger compete for the two and three spot. I mean, I, I have no problem with the pick. Do I think Sam Ellinger is better than Carson Wentz? Absolutely not. Do I think he's going to come in and start over Carson Wentz? Absolutely not. No. Um, <laughs> but he's going to create competition. I mean, how many times is Ballard going to have to stress the importance of competition? He doesn't care if it's at the quarterback position, at the running back position, at the defensive tackle position, or at the punter position. He is going to bring in competition where he sees fit. And in this case, he has two quarterbacks on his roster currently in Wentz and Eason. Excuse me. So he goes in and he drafts a guy like Sam Ellinger. And it, it's more, it's no, it's nothing more than backup quarterback competition. That's all it is. And I don't think that it's, there's really much to it. I think he's got some decent traits from the film that I saw. I think he's a very solid individual in terms of his character. Again, we just talked about the importance of drafting character driven individuals and that's really about it i think he comes in and he provides a, a solid leadership characteristic to the locker room and i think he comes in and competes with jacob eason that that's that's really about it in my mind and just to clarify no carson wentz isn't freaking out about the cole selecting the quarterback in round six some people had speculated that and you even texted me yesterday andrew just like face palm basically like oh my word people stop trying to make narratives where there's none um, and I think that's the case here but yeah I think who is to say that Jacob Eason is the backup right like who's to say that Chris Ballard has not come out and said Jacob Eason is our backup he said we'll have a chance to compete for our backup and I think that speaks volumes to just the fact that the Colts I mean let's be honest they haven't seen much of Jacob Eason they really haven't they haven't seen him in a preseason game they haven't seen him in a regular season game They've barely seen him in training camp. So I think just adding that competition, you said it. And with a quarterback like Carson Wentz, who, yeah, I get it. Uh, we think he's probably going to stay healthy with this offensive line and all that, but he's had his share of injuries too. So you can never, I, I think this is more of a, you know, obviously for the backup competition, but also what happens if Carson Wentz goes down, right? You need to continue to help yourself out in that way and just create competition for, you know, your backup quarterback position. So I'm totally okay with this pick here. Although I would have liked the Colts maybe to go look at like a cornerback or something along those lines. 
I get this pick from that standpoint, the competition standpoint. I know it's a little bit controversial, but I think I'm right there with you, Andrew. And now moving on to the seventh round, the Indianapolis Colts at pick 229 select Mike Strawn, wide receiver from Charleston. So smaller school guy, but a physical freak, Andrew. I mean, all all measurements, he is one of those physical freak wide receivers, similar to Desmond Patman last year that the Colts drafted. What were your thoughts here in the seventh round, the Colts going wide receiver? Again, it's similar to the Sam Ellinger pick. You can't ever have too much competition, right? You have Desmond Patton, uh, Michael Pittman, T.Y. Hilton, Ashton Doolin, Zach Pascal. You have all of these guys who are solid, solid players in their own way, but there's nothing wrong with, with taking another big body wide receiver. We saw how, how strong of an impact Michael Pittman had towards the middle and end of last season. Uh, and we expect him to take th- that leap going into year two. Uh, we didn't really see much of Desmond Patton and uh, but, th- but they like what he potentially has to bring to the table. And same with, same with strong. Um, what happens if Pittman goes down? We know he had the injury earlier in the season. And so he was out for a while. We, we talked about, you know, does Desmond Patton come in to replace Pittman because they share that same body type? Well, what happens is Patman goes down. I mean, it's just insurance, I, I would think. I mean, that's not to say that's not, not an indictment on Strong. It's not to say that he can't play, but it's better to have a backup plan and to be prepared uh, because injuries happen in the NFL. That's just how it works. Then to have a body type or a receiver like, with a body type of like a Michael Pittman or Desmond Patton go down, and then you have no backup plan. You have no backup plan in terms of the the physical traits. You have no backup plan in terms of what he brings to the table in terms of characteristics and uh, overall productivity and those sorts of things. I mean, we have to remember here that when the Colts draft offensive players, they have to not just fit the locker room, the character and everything. They have to fit what the Colts do offensively, obviously. Uh, And that's what I think part of the reason why they drafted him, because he fits not only the body type that they're looking for, but, he could come in and potentially be a replacement if, you know, like I said before, Pittman or Patman or some of these other uh, big-bodied wide receivers goes down. Yeah, I think he's just another guy that you continue to probably put on your practice squad and develop like they did with Desmond Patman last year. I mean, that that is such a Ballard thing here in these later rounds, as you'll notice. He gets those guys with those elite traits, those elite size at wide receiver. He's even done it with guys like EJ Speed, Marvell Tell. Like, he continues to do that. So overall, I like this pick. I think, you know, he's physically all you're looking for. He's just the level of competition isn't there. I mean, coming from Charleston, I think that speaks for itself right there. I mean, he was playing in a D2 school. So just another guy that's a little bit later on who'll have to acclimate to the NFL level. And that's fine. I mean, that's what the Colts want to do with their wide receivers here in this later in these later rounds. And then the final pick, the Indianapolis Colts finally address offensive tackle. They select Will Fry's offensive tackle from Penn State. What were your thoughts on this one? Well, first off, I think a lot of people love his last name because <laughs> who doesn't like fries, right? That's like a staple uh, for American food. I don't know. I don't know why I brought that up, but I did. I mean, it's just, <laughs> well, the question kinda... is what kind of fries is he? Because if he is well, – okay, what are your favorite type? This is totally off topic, but here we are. What are your favorite type of fries? I personally am a curly fry fan. There are okay. certain fries that I, I really, really like, and curly fries is one of them just because it doesn't get any better, in my opinion. And then you have crinkle cut, and you have, you know, basic fries. I don't know what you would call fries without <laughs> crinkles yeah. or curls. Fries, in I them. think. But, 
yeah fries i mean they're, they're, it's it's yeah, and it depends on where you go too if you go to a particular area that's got really good food and I, like you said, we're off way off topic, but here we are. Hey, here we are. Uh, I hope he's not crinkle fries because those are my absolute least favorite. Just, oh, okay. Maybe that's controversial. I don't know, but but anyway, going back to the player, Will Fries. What were your thoughts on him? Well, like you said, they finally addressed offensive line, and again, I'm going to credit my coworker at, at Stampede Blueshack Kicks. He he said that that was one of his favorite late round players, uh, and that he's got a really solid potential. One thing that I will say that some of the Colts beat reporters have pointed out is his versatility along the offensive line, the ability to play yeah. both tackle spots and both guard spots. So that cannot be stressed enough, in my opinion. He reminds me of a guy like Joe Haig, a guy that could play all five spots along the offensive line. And in this offense, versatility is important. I mean, we, we saw Quentin Nelson move over to left tackle for a couple drives against the Las Vegas Raiders last year. We saw the importance of when Anthony Costanza went down, having a, a veteran backup left tackle come in so the Colts didn't have to shift around a whole lot. But Will Fries as a player, I think has a lot of upside from what I've heard. I haven't done enough film review on him to be able to give it an educational, uh, an accurate statement on whether or not you know, he, he can, he's going to pan out. But I think he has potential from the things that I've heard and the things that I've seen. Uh, I think he has a chance to to be, like I said, similar to a Joe Hank type player, a guy that can play more than one position along the offensive line. And it's hard to find those kinds of guys in today's NFL. Nowadays, it's you're strictly a left tackle, you're strictly a right tackle or a guard or a center or what have you. Um, but versatility, it cannot be stressed enough how important that is in today's NFL and how important it is to a degree in the Colts offense. Absolutely. I know a lot of people thought that he would go a little bit earlier than the seventh round. So I think that's the reasoning why some people even said like fourth round, he was a fourth round talent. So I think that's an interesting thing in itself right there. Again, we'll see obviously what happens there, but I think he can be very versatile, like you said, and that's what you want from your offensive lineman, especially in round seven. If he can contribute in any way, I'm good with that. All right. So that does it for the seven picks for the Indianapolis Colts in the 2021 NFL draft. And now we'll move on. The final thing we'll talk about, our final draft thoughts. Andrew, final draft thoughts from you, my friend. Yeah, I'd give this, I'd give this draft a B to a B plus. And it's hard, as you said, to, to give the draft a grade, if you will, without seeing these guys play first. But to me, they address their biggest need in edge rush. You go out and you get Quiddy Pay, you get Deo, you come back and you get a tight end who is going to come in and potentially be productive for you. You go out and you get uh, safety help. You get a quarterback to come in and compete with Jacob Eason for that backup position. And then you go and you get a tackle who's got some versatility along the offensive line. So is it home run A plus? I don't know yet. But right now, I, I think it's a very solid draft. I'll go back to what I said at the very beginning. Quiddy Pay was the best edge rusher in this draft, in my opinion. The Colts landed him at 21. It's an absolute home run pick as far as Pay is concerned. And the rest are very solid additions. And I think if anything, Cody, if we've learned anything over these last four years, it's to trust Chris Ballard. There's a reason he's been considered among the best GMs, if not the best GM in football. He's been given yearly awards uh, for how well he's drafted. I mean, he is the best of the best. And I think if there's anything that we can take away from, from this draft, it's to trust the process, it's to trust the players that he's brought into the building. And to me, like I said, it's a solid B to a B plus without question. I think you're right. I think it's hard to just say, Boom, this is this is a good draft or a bad draft. I can say personally, I like this draft. I think I've even said I love this draft on Twitter, but I'm not again, we haven't seen any of these guys play. 
So I can't say this is a good draft or this is a terrible draft. I can't say that. I don't think anybody else can say that. And the people have been saying that. That's kind of ridiculous, in my opinion. I think it's silly to start to even say that at this point. You can like players and you can dislike players. That's fine. I don't really care. I've expressed my potential dislike at certain picks in this draft. But you, you can't say it until you see some of these guys on the field. I'm going to give it a C plus. I'm only going to give it a C plus because I don't know what's going to happen. And I, I normally just do this, right? So I normally just do that because, look, I, I don't know what's going to happen. They could be really good. I do like addressing pass rush. Wasn't the biggest fan of the second round pick. But other than that, I thought you did a really good job. Would have liked offensive tackle, obviously, to be addressed. But other than that, I thought it was a pretty solid draft overall. And if Quidipay can can live up to the hype, I mean, I think this can easily be a B to a B plus or even an A here in the next year. I mean, we just it's just you can't evaluate at this point right now. Uh, we can give our overall thoughts, and we have. Well, what do you guys think? Do you like this draft? Do you hate this draft? Let us know in the comments below. But for Andrew and myself, that'll do it for our takeaways and our thoughts on the 2021 Indianapolis Colts draft. Thanks for tuning in, guys. And as always, go Colts! Yeah.